Hi, I'm Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about the route to trust. It's my pleasure to be speaking with John Marsden. He's the head of ID and Fraud Decision Strategy with Equifax Europe. John, thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure. John, share with me a little perspective, please. What do you find to be some of the main fraud threats that you're seeing organizations struggle with today? From our perspective and our clients' perspectives, it's very much about identity, and that comes in a multitude of different ways. So the, the highest level of threat that we're seeing in the UK from fraud is identity fraud and that big banner of, of identity, whether that be compromised identity, synthetic identity, uh, ID takeover uh, attempts, that's the area of where we see the biggest threat um, in our market today, and that's that's borne out by national figures. John, I want to ask you what might seem like an obvious question, but which I think will offer some unique perspective to our listeners today. And the question is, how do you find that fraud impacts businesses as well as the general public? Okay, well, fraud's a, a huge issue. I think the other area of fraud is internal fraud that we don't really get involved with, but a huge issue for businesses. In terms of their customers, their exposure to fraud losses directly from people stealing other persons' identities, that's a big challenge for them. We're in a digital environment. Good customers deserve to be served quickly, and if they don't get served quickly, they walk away. So your business relies on being able to spot the the good customer uh, and, and accept the bad customer at pace, at speed, using a lot of different layers of intelligence to be able to give you those insights that you can act upon. Okay, I want to turn now and ask you a very specific question. MLD4. How does that specifically affect lenders? That's a really interesting question. Money, the money laundering directors has been with us for a while with the, you know, the, the clear, um, the clear objective of stopping terrorist financing and the, 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 the laundering of the proceeds of crime. The money laundering directive four changes uh, the ability for. Um, domestic lenders to be able to ignore their own pets, for example. Uh, that's, a, that's a big thing. A politically exposed person is susceptible to corruption. Um, previously to MLD4, we, we, we could ignore the UK politicians, their, their relatives and close associates. Now you can't. Um, and if you can imagine how many politicians we have in the UK down to city level and their relatives and close associates, then we have to step up our authentication of those people, make sure that we are practicing enhanced due diligence and ensuring we know where their funds come from. That's probably one of the biggest challenges of MLD4. The, the, the stretch as well goes into you know wider uh, remit of business, uh, which is sensible. It is all targeted at, at stopping terrorist financing, so things like digitally, digital currency exchanges. Um, the challenge of MLD4 is... It's an extension to what was there before, uh, but it does need that rigor to be able to apply those checks, those measures in a digital environment instantly and effectively without causing too much friction for, uh, you know, Joe Bloggs, who just happens to share the same name as, uh, as a, a wife or a husband of a politician. John, this has been excellent background on some of the trends that you're seeing. Let's talk about tools now. Why are traditional anti-fraud tools and techniques so ineffective against many of the schemes that you're seeing today and that you've told us about? 
But uh, let's focus in on identity fraud there. I think this is a, a real key uh, difference, and I can see it across our, our, our worldwide spread as Equifax. In the UK, we've been really good at sharing and syndicating fraud knowledge. So when an identity is used for fraud, it gets lodged with CIFAS and, and some of the, the commercial products that are available, uh, available out there to, to screen those identities. The fraudsters know that. We see now an ID takeover in the UK, a, a, a decent ID takeover will take two, maybe three days, uh, and then they leave that identity alone. Why is that? They have a raft of data available to them on other identities which are perceived as clean. Uh, and after you know two or three days, the identity they've been using actually gets lodged with CIFAS, with uh, some of the commercial agencies that share that, including ourselves. So we, we block the use of that identity for the fraudster. They just evolve. There is massive amount of data out there from, from primarily from breach, so they can just move on to the next case and the next case. That's not common across the world. So where we see the lack of fraud exchanges, um, places, uh, for example, the, the US, we might see a uh, an ID takeover take months. It might be three, four, five months that the fraudster is reusing that identity over and over. Now, we're seeing that tighten down with the use of, of, um, of fraud technology. But when you face an environment like we have in the UK, where you have to spot that fraud in the two-day window that the ID takeover is happening, you do need new technology, new layers, and new intelligence to lead you to spot that fraud amongst the, the other applicants. Let's talk now about the identity challenge. How do you see organizations solving the fundamental problem, proving that their customers are really who they say they are and live where they say that they live? Absolutely. Um, in the UK, we have great data, so we, we can prove a person exists. We can measure the, the length and breadth of the identity within a, a residency, a household. That's fine, proving the identity exists, but then proving that that person is who they say they are is a little bit more of a challenge. So traditionally, we've looked at um, knowledge-based authentication, which uh, if you have the knowledge, you're authenticated, of course. So the fraudsters have have adapted somewhat to that, albeit there are two edges to, to knowledge-based authentication. There's certainly a positive uh, customer experience for certain uh, the individual going through the process. We are we're not um, in the world of being able to share biometrics, syndicated biometrics on the general population as of yet. Uh, but what we are doing is using multiple layers of intelligence to spot where there is a risk. So that might be a, a device layer, uh, yes, the ID layer and all the intelligence we get from the uh, velocity usage of our identity. We are still using knowledge-based authentication. It still has a place, but equally it's not the be-all and end-all. So the uh, uh, the end of that process might end up in a, uh, a, a document and a facial verification uh, of the individual to really prove they are who they say they are. You can't do that all the time. That causes too much friction for the UK consumer. They're not used to carrying ID cards, drive, well, maybe driving licenses, but certainly not passports around with them. Um, so it has to be measured in its approach. You have to use the intelligence you're getting from multiple layers to be able to advise you when it's appropriate to take a customer through a frictionful experience and when it's not. Uh, and that's Inevitably, the evergreen balancing act is the difference between putting friction in the boarding process 
and actually letting people through. The only real way you can do that is use multiple layers to advise and, uh, and provide insights as to what you should be doing with that applicant. Well, of course, you make some excellent points, but my follow-up question for you, why have solutions such as multi-factor authentication been relatively slow to take hold with organizations, really worldwide? Absolutely. I think um, we see this in, in compromised cracks and, and hacks at the moment. Uh, I think that you need two-factor authentication. Uh, the problem primarily in the application space is that you have not got that ability to use a second factor, an authenticated second factor, until you've boarded that client and enrolled them in such a, a service. So that's one of the challenges for the application space. I think in, in login, in, in account maintenance, account uh, uh, monitoring terms, then you should be enrolling people in two-factor. I think only the importance of that is seen evidently in the Yahoo breach. Um, once you've started breaching passwords at the rate we have um, and we have the computing power to be able to turn them into real metrics, then no password is safe. So I see two-factor gaining pace. I see that you know our banks adopted it a number of years ago. It's been effective, um, but we also have the challenge of how in a application environment can we actually challenge someone to be who they say they are when we actually don't record the second factor, whether that be a facial biometric, an iris biometric, a pulse rate, even a, a how you use your machine can be important here. Um, so that's, that's still a challenge for us. John, talk to me a bit about Equifax. What are you doing to help your clients fight fraud differently and better? Some of the biggest advances we're uh, seeing at the moment is about using machine learning, um, big data analytics to really crunch the numbers. We, as Equifax, have a lot of data. That's not to say it was always traditionally big data, um, but we're going through this transformation where we turn that data into uh, real uh, good insights for our customers. Uh, and the precision and recall rates we're achieving are are exceptional. They, they beat traditional systems. So um, to be able to get that to work, we do need data, but equally the, the, the technology has to come with that. And we're in the place now where we're, uh, we're providing our customers with real intelligence that helps them manage the, the issues that they come across in the fraud environment. Talk to me a little bit more about that, please. John, what are some of the results that your customers are seeing through your solutions? So we're seeing a reduction in, in false positive rates by using these multiple, multiple layers of intelligence. So what does that mean? What does a false positive rate mean? It actually means a lost customer generally. So we're seeing more clients able to be boarded more seamlessly and more in the way that they want to be boarded uh, and precision about where we, we see the investigation effort the exception effort going in. Um, so it, it's a tangible, but you, you're looking at uh, using those multiple layers, maybe saving, uh, taking precision down by, you know, uh, one, uh, one, one in three down to, to uh, uh, closer to one to one, a one in 1.3 is more feasible in what we're seeing these days. Final question for you, John. You talked a few minutes ago about friction in the process. How can organizations implement more controls without damaging the relationship with their real customers? You're absolutely right. That is the, the evergreen again, the, the balancing act. The, 
the levels of intelligence that you can glean at the moment, and one of the big things we're seeing uh, across our customer base is the adoption of, of uh, device recognition and reputation. Now, to some of your listeners, that will be relatively old hat. We saw that adopted through the, you know, the the, the more the more fast moving industries uh, in early days, such as as gaming, short term loans. Uh, we're seeing that now transfer into our more blue chip clients, where they previously didn't have this level of intelligence. We're relatively, some of them, very skeptic about what it could do for them. So it's a great example of where you can deploy something that's, that's silent to the consumer but gives you a deep level of understanding about that interaction with that, that, that consumer, about that application. That is essentially the base layer now uh, for our progressive authentication suite. It's the key identifier we can get first that informs the rest of the challenges we make to either ratchet up the friction or turn down the friction in a, uh, a dynamic approach to, to fraud detection and prevention. Well, very good. John, I'm grateful for your time and your insight. Thank you so much for taking time to speak with me today. Thank you, Tom. The topic has been the route to trust. It's been my pleasure to be speaking with John Marsden. He's the head of identity and fraud, decision strategy, with Equifax Europe. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.